back open to Hebrews and chapter number 11. Hebrews in chapter number 11 tonight. And we finished uh, on two Wednesdays ago. By the way, I heard some great things about Brother Hamilton's lesson last Wednesday night. In fact... I got a little worried. It was so good, evidently. I got a little worried. No, but I was so tickled about that. I, and he told me about the truth that he was giving, and I, I, I just appreciate it so much and appreciate his steadfastness, don't you? Amen. And um, I'm, I'm grateful for his influence upon our young people. We were left off in uh, chapter 11 and verse number 4 on last Wednesday. So let's have a word of prayer. We're going to jump right in, start right up with Proverbs 11 and verse 5. Father, please, through the power of your Holy Spirit, open our minds and hearts to the truths you have in this wonderful book, a book uh, for all of us, but especially the young man's book, a book of wisdom. Lord, how many tragedies could be averted. How much heartache, Lord, could be bypassed if the wisdom of this book were not simply to pass into our ears, but to settle through our ears to our minds into our hearts. May we take to heart these truths and live them out in our lives and enjoy the rich benefits of the wisdom we find herein. In Jesus' name, amen. Proverbs in chapter 11, again, we're in this section of the book of Proverbs. It's, I think, my favorite section, and it's uh, a lot of standalone Proverbs, and uh, each one of these verses, you'll find, and we'll see it tonight, in fact, some of them kind of come in groups, uh, but each of them are standalone as well, and uh, just, we're trying to give one truth from each verse. Proverbs chapter 11 and verse number 5, the Bible says, the righteousness of the perfect shall direct his way. Let me say something about the word way there. Uh, you, you, could, uh, you could call that the path of life when the Bible talks about the way. It's talking about where you're headed in life, where you're going in life, the path that you've chosen in life. So in that context, think with me, the righteousness of the perfect shall direct his way, the path of his life. But the wicked shall fall by his own wickedness. Now this, this truth is packaged a little differently several times in the verses that follow. But let's consider the first phrase of this verse particularly. The righteousness of the perfect shall direct his way. Thinking about the way being a path of life, and our life, um, as you well know, is really a culmination of all the decisions that we make. Whatever your life is today, if you don't like it, then you should reconsider the decisions that you've made heretofore. Amen? And if you want it different, make some different decisions, okay? So, but, but the, the righteous man, the man that does the right thing, his way is divinely directed. Here, here's a simple thought for this verse. Do the next right thing. Do the next right thing. You know, sometimes... We fail to do the next right thing because we want to look down the road and see what the next and the next and the next and the next right thing is and where it's going to take us <laughs> rather than going by faith, the next right thing. Uh, 
we, we want to look down the road and want some security. But no, no, no. The, the Bible says the word is a lamp to our feet. Right? It's to our feet. If you got in your car and said, I'm going to drive to Greensboro tonight, and you turn your headlights on and say, I can't go to Greensboro. I can't see that far. How foolish would that be? You get in your car, you drive. If you like shine 200 yards, you drive 200 yards, it shines another 200 yards. Amen? And so God gives us incremental truth. He, well, he reveals truth to us incrementally. Uh, uh, which girl was it? We, we took her to kindergarten. She wanted to learn to read. And Stacy, I want to learn to read. And we told her, you go to kindergarten, you're going to learn to read. She was so excited, she wanted to read so bad. And uh, she, we took her to kindergarten, first day, and she were there picking her up, you know. And uh, uh, we shed her tears that morning, you know. And they were there, 3 o'clock, and, uh, and to pick her up. And here she comes, gets in the truck. And we're like, how was it? Good. Did you like it? Uh-huh. Was it fun? Yeah. But I still can't read. <laughs> we had told her for so long, you go to kindergarten, you learn to read. She went to kindergarten and she, she couldn't understand why she couldn't read. She went to kindergarten. Uh, but but you, you, it's incremental learning, right? And so you reveal a, a apple, then be by bear, etc. And, uh, and you learn. And the same is true with the teaching of the Holy Spirit. He's our God. And he doesn't put you in trigonometry on day one, right? And you don't read on day one, but you learn a, a apple. And the same is, is true with truth revealed to us in the Christian life. Listen, you don't have to worry about what's going to turn out. What's the next right thing you need to do? What am I going to do with my life? It's 10 o'clock on Sunday morning. Go to Sunday school. Hello? But it's 7, 6 o'clock on Sunday night. What am I do with my life? Go to church. It's 7 o'clock on Wednesday. What am I do with my life? Go to church. <laughs> right? It's morning time. Oh, I don't know what am I going to do. Read your Bible. <laughs> do the next right thing. You say, that's too simple. Uh, isn't it funny how simple things got our lives if we'll just obey them? Amen? Here's the thing about Christian life. It's not really complicated. It's just hard. <laughs> Why? Because your flesh hates it. <laughs> Right? Your flesh loathes to do that which is wise to do. So it's not common. We, we overcomplicate Christian life sometimes. And so do, do the next right thing. I remember uh, this illustration of pastor, just a broken heart. He had, he had, a, uh, had a daughter who had gone out of wedlock and, um, and, um, and uh, disappointed and, 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 and crossed the moral line. And, and, uh, and word came back and Mom and Dad, and they were they were heartbroken, and and the man was a pastor. The man was a pastor, and um, he said, "How my how can I face my people? I'm supposed to be an example. Supposed to rule my house well. How can I how can I go back to the pulpit? I'm not I'm not qualified." He called an older, wiser man. He said, uh, I, "I I had some devastating news. Pray for our family. What am I going to do?" The older pastor very wisely said, tell you what you're going to do. Tomorrow morning you're going to get up. You're going to get out of bed. You're going to brush your teeth. You're going to comb your hair. You're going to get your pants. You're going to put your right leg in your pant leg. You're going to put your left leg in your pant leg. You're going to put your shirt on. You're going to put your tie on. You're going to get in your car. You're going to drive to the church. You're going to park. You're going to walk inside. What was he say? He said, you're going to do what you always did. That's what you're going to do. You're going to do the next right thing. And it was 10 o'clock on Sunday morning, and you're supposed to teach Sunday school lesson. you just be there to teach Sunday school lesson. Amen? So what about after that? Don't worry about after that. Do what you're supposed to do right now. Do the next right thing. You know, oftentimes over the years, somebody 
has come to me and said, I don't know what to do. And I, I don't know. I, some things the Lord just gives you, I guess, along the way. But here's why I've told many, many people, and I think it will help you if you get in that place. I don't know what to do. All right? You know some things to do. Everybody knows some things to do. Right? What, let me ask a question. You say, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. What should every Christian do? Give me something every Christian ought to do. Every Christian ought to pray. Every Christian ought to read the Bible. Every Christian ought to go to church. Every Christian ought to witness. Now, there's four things. That's a short list, right? You don't know what to do? Make you a list of what you know to do and just do that right there. Amen. And God, listen, God will get interested in telling you what you don't know if you'll get busy doing what he already told you to do that you know you ought to do. Amen? Do the next right thing. Do the next right thing. Look at verse number 6. The righteousness of the upright shall deliver them. So it directs them in verse number 5. Verse number 6, it delivers them. But the transgressors shall be taken in their own naughtiness. Now, I'm going to, uh, this is a, a, almost a, a re-paraphrasing of the truth right before it, but I want to give you a little, uh, a little something from the last word, the word naughtiness. Now, I, I concede that I'm using that primary definition the way you and I think of naughtiness. Naughtiness seems uh, a little less severe than wickedness, right? At least in the way we use the word. But here's the thought the Lord gave me, I believe. Do right in the small matters. Do right in the small matters. Well, that wouldn't be so bad. Just be naughty. Do right in the small matters. Don't be naughty. Amen? Certainly don't be wicked, but don't be naughty. Amen? Yeah, do right in the small matters. Uh, Hey, how about this? Don't cut corners at work. Don't cut corners at work. I read, I went over to the, uh, I went over here across the street over here, and uh, to get to have them look at my seat. My seat's uh, uh, the... uh, yeah, the cover tore a long time ago. Now the foam's starting to deteriorate, so I figured I better get it patched. Went over to get it patched. It had a sign on the wall. I wish I could quote it, uh, but here was the effect of it. Uh, that uh, uh, the, uh, the quality of your work will be long remembered after the cheap price was forgotten. After a cheap price was forgotten. Now, that's not word for word. What they're saying is you can do shoddy work for less money but that will be forgotten when the good quality will be remembered for a long time. Amen. There's a good truth in there somewhere. I'm not sure exactly what it is. But anyway, uh, but, but uh, I, I think what, what, you don't cut corners. Don't cut corners. Uh, I heard the story told, and uh, I won't retell it just like I heard it, but it's still a good story. Mine might even be better than the one I heard. I heard a story of a man. He worked faithfully for a bit. He was a construction worker, and he worked for a man for a lot of years. And the man was retiring, and he was going to close down his business. And he told the man that worked for him, he said, look, he said, I, he said, I, 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 I want you to build one final house for me. And he said, I, I, I just want you to know that you'll be able to enjoy the profit of your labor. Build one more house, and you can enjoy the profit of your labor. Well, the man thought about that. He said, man. The more profit I make, then the more money I have in my pocket. So you know what he did? He cut corners. Everywhere he could, trying to increase the profit margin. When he got done with his house, the boss, who loved the man and his faithfulness over the years, he said, uh, here's your pay. And he handed him the keys to the house. 
where he cut the corners. Now, you know what? You know what we ought to do? We ought to treat others the way we want to be treated. Amen? We ought, we ought to do for others the job we want somebody to do for us. And so the Bible says here, it says, uh, 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 the righteousness of the upright shall uh, deliver them, shall deliver them. Remember that story? I don't know, Aesop, might be one of Aesop's fables. But I remember the little children's song and the little story listened to it on cassette tape as a kid. But uh, in the days of the Roman Empire, remember the man that came upon a lion in the woods who was in agony because of the thorn in his paw. You remember that story? And he gently approached the, the, the lion and he removed the thorn from the lion's paw. Remember that? And some years later, that man was sent into the Roman arena to be devoured by a hungry lion. And when he got out there, the hungry lion put his head down and purred and rubbed his mane up against the man he was supposed to eat because he remembered a good deed from years ago. Amen. I don't know if that's true, but it's a good story nonetheless. And it's got a good truth to it. Amen. Amen. Old brother Aesop. Anyway, but uh, verse number seven, when a wicked man dieth, his expectation shall perish and the hope of unjust men perish, perisheth. Let me give you an admonition for this one. Don't die without hope. Don't die without hope. Don't die without hope. You've heard me tell it time and time again. But it must have been about midnight and I got a call from the hospital and one of our ladies was was, uh, right at the edge of death. Pastor, could you come? And, And our sister is turned to the worst and she probably won't live through the night. And so I, I got myself ready and headed over to Randolph Hospital about midnight. I'm on my way in, and one of our officers, one of our city officers who had attended our church when we first came to town, um, he, he saw me coming in. He said, Pastor, what are you doing here? I said, well, there's a lady upstairs, and, the, and she's evidently she's close to death, and uh, uh, I'm going to visit her. He said, Pastor, my wife's mother is here, and she too is close to death, but she's not saved. She's up in intensive care. And the family's gathered around. Is there any way? We've tried to talk to her. Is there any way you go talk to her? And I said, sure. So I felt the urgency to go to that visit first because of her situation. And I went into that room and approached her bedside with a blessing and a nod from the family. She was coughing up blood. She was visibly agitated, uncomfortable. And I told her who I was and asked if I could talk to her. And uh, and uh, she uh, she didn't want to hear anything I had to say. And said uh, so said, could I pray for you? And so she said, yeah, if you want to pray, pray. And so I prayed the gospel to her. I said, God, thank you so much that even though we're all sinners, on our way to hell, you deserve it, Lord, because we're not perfect. But thank you so much you gave your son. I just gave the gospel in my prayer, you know. And uh, and then I, I finished and I spoke a little bit to the family and I spoke a word of comfort to the lady the best I could. And uh, I tried again to come into the side door, and she shut me down. Tried to go in the back window. She closed the window. And I said, well, could I pray before I go? She said, you've already prayed. And I said, yes, ma'am, I have. And the, the faces of the family were so heavy. And I left there, and as far as I know, she died and went to hell, as far as I know. And um, anyway, I went. Uh, she was in intensive care, and I went down, I think it was a, a, to the third floor, what well, used to be the 600 hallway, if I remember right. Anyway, went down there, and a little lady was lying in bed. She had the glow of heaven on her face. Amen. She said, Pastor, I'm ready to go. I think I'm going pretty soon. I'm ready to go. 
I'm not afraid. Now, let me tell you something. That's why I want to die. Amen? The, the man in the Bible said, let me die the death of the righteous. I like that phrase. Let me die the death of the righteous. Amen? Oh, don't die without hope. Don't die without hope. Not one bad thing will happen to the righteous man after death, and not one good thing will happen to the wicked man after death. Think about that. Verse number 8, look at it. He said, the righteous is delivered out of trouble, and the wicked cometh in his stead. The righteous is delivered out of trouble, and the wicked cometh in in his stead. That little phrase reminds me of the end of verse 5. Verse 5b, but the wicked shall fall by his own wickedness. And the end of verse 6, transgressors shall be taken in their own naughtiness. Here's what those three verses are teaching us. Wicked men get caught in their own snares. Wicked men get caught in their own snares. Can you think of Haman? <laughs> Can you imagine, we were reading that story the other day we were, when we were, Friday we took off. I got up, i tell you what happened. Friday morning, this is nothing to do with the lesson, but I'll just tell it to you anyway. Is that all right with everybody? Friday morning I got up and uh, and I was, our boys are over, at, several of our boys, uh, preacher boys are over at Commonwealth Baptist College, and they got on a basketball team together. All of them got on basketball, except Austin. Austin blew his knee out, and so and we all sat for him. But anyway, the rest of them all wound up on the same basketball team. And uh, so it was like, uh, anyway, 2022, 2.0. And uh, so I thought, boy, I'd like to see those boys play ball. They have an intramural game. And uh, anyway, so I got up on Friday morning. It's time everybody get up and go to school. I said, what do you want to go to? Uh, you want to go to Kentucky and watch a basketball game? She said, when? I said, right now. She said, really? She said, I said, yeah. She said, you know, it's been a while since we did anything spontaneous. Let's go. So we went. Amen. And, of course, I asked the girls, the girls, we like to go to school or go to a ball game. They said, let me think about it, Dad. No. Uh, so we took off. But on the way up, we had sweetest time. We read the book of Esther. We read the book of Esther. And then we listened to Brother Hiles' sermon, I, If I Perish, I Perish. But reading that book of Esther again, I was struck. It was amazing. Haman hated Mordecai. I hated the Jews. He hated Mordecai. Mordecai was a Jew, and he was the only man in the kingdom. He couldn't get to bow to him and show him reverence. And, uh, and so he, he talked to King into declaring a day of vengeance on the Jews, and you could, you could kill any Jew you wanted to and not be held accountable by law. He convinced the king that it was a bunch of rabble-risers and wanted to overthrow the kingdom, which is a lie. And, uh, but anyway, he wanted an excuse to kill him. And this is, this is, this is empire-wide. This isn't just local. This is anywhere in the empire. It was a free-for-all. It was another one of those times, just like under Hitler and so many others, where the devil wanted to stamp out the, God, the, 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 the lineage of Christ and kill all the Jews. And, uh, but, uh, of course, when that decree came out, Mordecai went to his cousin Esther, and he, he's much older, more like an uncle, and uh, reared her. And uh, he, he said... Uh, Maybe God brought you to the kingdom for this. Maybe for such a time as this. And so she called the whole, all the Jews. They fasted and prayed and put anything in their mouth. Not even, didn't even drink anything for three days. You, you can't go much longer than that without water. But that's what they did. And they begged God, please spare us. And she went before the king. And she went unannounced, uninvited. She went uninvited which was a death sentence if the king didn't want to receive you. If you presumed to go into the king's courtroom without being invited, it was a death sentence unless he raised his scepter to receive you. 
So she took a chance, risked her life. If he's in a bad mood and didn't want to see her, they just take her right out and she'd execute him. But she had so impressed him, he raised his separate, he said, come here, what do you need? He said, I'll give you anything you want, up to half the kingdom. He must have been drinking that day or something, I don't know. But that's what he said. And here's what she said. She said, yes, I'd like to have you and Haman come to my house for supper tonight, to the queen's palace for supper tonight. He said, well, I'd be glad to have Haman standing right by us. Private meal with the queen and the king. Oh, boy, he's feeling real good about himself. He goes home that night, tells his family and friends about it. And he got, uh, they go for the meal. And that night, he's, 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 he's so happy about this. But he's, only, he's not completely happy because he's still ticked off at Mordecai. And so his family and friends say, you know, you know, that day's coming where you can get rid of all of them. He said, they said, why don't you build a gallows? Now think about 25 feet tall. From that floor right there to that tile is 27 feet. Why would you hang a man 25 feet in the air? Just to make a spectacle of him, would you? Just for spite, that's all. And he stayed up all night, had to stay up all night. He built that gallows in one night. He's up the next morning and uh, I guess stayed up all night so he went on to work early. And the king couldn't sleep that night. He stayed up and read the chronicles of the nation and read about this man named Mordecai who had saved his life because he spoiled an assassination plot and had two men got executed over that. And Mordecai was the one that found it out and, and gave word to the king, protected his life. And, and the king read that. He said, well, what, what, what was done for that man? They said, well, we don't have a record. Anything was done for him. Said, Nothing was done for him. He saved my life. We didn't do anything for him. And he said, we got to do something for him. And he asked the guy that's in there reading the Chronicles, uh, and he said, who's, who's in the court right now? He said, well, Haman's out there. It's the wee hours of the morning. He said, Haman, tell Haman to come here. He called Haman in. He said, Haman, well, I got a guy. I want to honor him. I mean, I want to make a big deal out of him. What should I do for him? He said, oh, you want to honor somebody? He said, yeah, somebody I really appreciate, and I think a lot of them. Well, Haman said, he must be talking about me. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what I do, King. I'd get your own royal robe and I'd put it on the man. I'd get your own royal horse and I'd put him on that horse in your royal robe and I'd march him down the street. And he said, I'd, I'd have somebody go in front of him and say, this is the man in whom the king delights and everybody has to bow down to him. He said, that's a great idea. He said, go get Mordecai and do every bit of that for him. <laughs> you imagine, imagine oh, Haman, I love this story. He goes to the mill. He has to do that during the day. Boy, he's, he had to be steaming by the time he got to Esther's house that night. Foaming. He gets there. They have the nice meal. The king said, now what is it you want? You have it up to half the kingdom. She said, there's a man in your kingdom that has sworn to slay me and my people. He has slandered and lied about us and he has plotted to exterminate us. He said, what kind of a wicked, vile man would do such a thing? She said, that man's sitting right next to you. And Haman said, he's caught red-handed. The king got up and just stormed out of the room. He was so furious. Esther, we're in Esther's house. 
Esther goes in her bedroom. Haman follows her into the bedroom and falls on the bed weeping, please ask the king to have mercy on me. Well, the king gets his composure, comes walking in, can't find him. He hears the wailing, walks back to Esther's bedroom, and there's him laying on his wife's bed weeping and wailing. That didn't look real good. The guy didn't have much sense, did he? And the Bible says, if I understand it right, they dispatched of him on the spot. Killed him on the spot. And, and the king said, what are we going to do with him? Somebody said, he built a gallows 25 feet high for Esther's cousin, Mordecai. He said, hang him on now. And that, that built overnight. It wasn't even erected 24 hours in there. But it, but it wasn't Mordecai hanging. It was Haman hanging. He got caught in his own snare. Now let me tell you something. There's a God in heaven. Amen. And he's a just God. And you want to do wicked things, you could plan to be caught in your own snare. Look at verse number 9. And hypocrite with his mouth destroyeth his neighbor. But through knowledge shall the just be delivered. And hypocrite with his mouth destroyeth his neighbor. This is not so concise. I guess this is just about as long as the verse itself. But... This thought, I think, packages the verse. Destructive tongues betray the hypocrites who wag them. (laughs) Destructive tongues betray the hypocrites who wag them. That's what verse 9 calls this man that's going around with his mouth. He's destroying people's lives with his gossip, with his backbiting. And the Bible calls him a hypocrite. Do you know that gossips by their gossiping reveal their own hypocrisy? The hypocrite is constantly covering for himself to the destruction of others. He does it by pointing, accusing fingers toward others. And such a person, listen, such a person, the Bible says, is revealing hypocrisy in their own lives. Listen, if you're so wise that you can criticize other parents for their child-rearing, you're saying a lot about yourself. You're saying a lot about yourself. If you're bad-mouthing someone for their work ethic, unfaithfulness, decorum, or whatever, if you have discerned another to be two-faced or disingenuous and hypocritical, he's so two-faced, she said, if you're so wise that you can discern someone else's hypocrisy and you feel like you have to share that light with others, then what you're doing is, according to the Bible, giving yourself away as a hypocrite. That's what the Bible says. Who does that? Hypocrites do that. Hypocrites are the one. Listen, if somebody's genuine and sincere, I asked a man years ago, whose children are serving the Lord and were serving the Lord, I asked him, I said, well, you going to write a book on Tyrant? He said, let me tell you something. The only reason my kids are serving the Lord is because of the mercy of God. Now, you know what? That, that's a man I like to hear write something about child-rearing. Amen? Because it's not somebody who says, I got all the answers. It's somebody who understands humility and the fear of the Lord, and it's just the mercy of God. It's the mercy of God any of us turned out, isn't it? Yeah. Through knowledge shall the just be delivered, the Bible says. Through knowledge the just shall be delivered. Let me, let me say this. 
We're all tempted by juicy morsels. We're all tempted by spice peddlers, hypocrites who peddle their uh, uh, their derogatory remarks. We all get we get caught up in that. All of us are tempted by that. We all have the same flesh. But before you and I believe a juicy morsel of gossip, we might want to consider number one the source, and number two the facts. <laughs> That might be wise before we form opinions about people. We might want to consider the source. And then we might want to consider the fact that maybe we ought to have all the facts before we make a judgment call in our mind. Amen? Otherwise we get burnt by hypocrites. Verse number 10 says, When it goeth well with the righteous, the city rejoiceth. And when the wicked perish, there is shouting. You know what? Simple. Justice brings joy. Justice brings joy. You know, <clears throat> we could live frustrated lives, could we not, with all the injustice that we see in our society. Here we are, uh, uh, supposed to be the leader of the free world as a free nation, and so much duplicity and so many double standards and two two sets of rules and and and, and injustice. It, it It is disheartening. Did you hear about the 19-year-old? Young man that lost his, uh, 19-year-old policeman, lost his job. Did you hear about that? Some of you read about that. He went on uh, Facebook, or I think it was Facebook, went on Facebook, his own private Facebook page, and he said, uh, marriage was created by God between one man and one woman. And so in the eyes of God, there is no such thing as homosexual marriage. He created marriage, and he created between a man and a woman. And that's right. That's a, that's a 19-year-old young man with some sense. Amen? Amen? Brand new job as a police officer. They came to him. They said, you take that down. He said, I'm, I'm not taking that down. They said, you can put Bible verses on your Facebook page, but you can't put that on your Facebook page. He said, uh, excuse me? We have something called the First Amendment. And it's true, and I'm not going to stop from speaking the truth. They said, well, you're on administrative leave. They took his badge, took his equipment for putting on his Facebook page that God created marriage between a man and a woman. And uh, after after several days of that, he went in. He said, I, I resign. I resign. I'm not going to. I don't know how I can work for you anyway. So whatever. You're going to fire me. It doesn't matter. I'm resigning. Now, I didn't read the, read the article yet, but I saw another headline that that police chief took retirement. I don't know, like right after that. I don't know if it was early retirement or what it was. But anyway, you know, let me tell you something. There is a kingdom coming. Every wrong will be made right. All that's faith will be made sight. Amen. It's coming. <laughs> it ain't coming in the next administration, no matter who makes it to the White House. But it's coming. Amen. King Jesus is going to rule and reign for a thousand years. Amen. And it's coming. It's coming. Look at verse 11 and 12. We'll put these together. By the blessing of the upright, the city is exalted, but it is overthrown by the mouth of the wicked. He that is... Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, verse number 11 by itself. I'm going to misprint here my notes. I mean, my is a little something over there. There we go. Verse 11. By the blessing of the upright, the city is exalted, but it is overthrown by the mouth of the wicked. Here it is. Cities, nations, and towns are exalted because of a righteous remnant. This is a Bible principle. 
Cities, nations, and towns are exalted because of a righteous remnant. Let me tell you something. I so appreciate our district attorney, Randolph County District Attorney. Oh, good grief, I'm so ashamed. uh, Somebody help me. Andy Gregson. Sorry. I appreciate him. I appreciate him. When all the regulations came down, what is it, two, two, how long has it been? A decade ago? <laughs> yeah, you can't have church. Andy Gregson wrote a letter, sent it to our Sheriff's Department, Police Department, City Council, uh, County Commissioners, as I understand, I believe that's true. But anyway, sent the letter. So many people heard about it, so he made it public. He made it an open letter. In the letter, he said this. He said, we are guaranteed the right of religious expression to meet and worship. And there is no clause in the Constitution that says you lose that right because of a pandemic. And he said, as the Attorney General of this county, if you as law enforcement officers must write a ticket, you go right ahead. But I just want you to know, as soon as it comes into the court system of Randolph County, it'll be thrown out because we're guaranteed religious freedom. Hooray for Andy Gregson. Amen. Isn't that wonderful? Now, God, there's a, there's a principle in the Bible. Okay, remember Abraham when he was up there praying for Sodom and Gomorrah? God would just spare it for 50, 40, I think 45, 30, all the way down to 10. Remember that? God said, we can't find 40. Got all the way down to 10. God said, I'll spare it for 10. And here's the sad thing. He couldn't find any 10. By the way, it's two types of righteousness in the Bible. There's imputed righteousness. Uh, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness. In other words, the, the perfect righteousness of Christ is credited to our account. When we put our faith in Jesus, our sins are taken and put on Jesus, and his righteousness is taken and put on us. Amen. That's imputed righteousness. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute iniquity. No sin goes against my record in heaven because it all went on Jesus 2,000 years ago. That's salvation. But there's another type of righteousness in the Bible, and it's practical righteousness. It's everyday living righteousness. Amen? Just because you have the imputed righteousness of Christ does not give you a license to live unrighteously. You'll get spanked. Hebrews chapter 12, Romans chapter 6, and over and over and over again. You'll get spanked. And if you're not getting spanked in Hebrews chapter 12, then, you ne- then you've not been born again. Because if you're born again, you get spanked when, you, when you're unrighteous. So here it is. Righteousness. What Abraham was saying, Lord, could there be ten righteous? Not just imputed righteous. They got saved in the Old Testament just like we get saved in the New Testament. They got saved looking toward Calvary. We get saved looking back at Calvary. You understand? But it's by faith in Christ, the same. Everybody's, anybody's ever been saved was saved because of the Lamb. That's, that's the only way to be saved. We trust the blood, the lamb, uh, the blood of the Lamb who has, who, who, who already shed His blood, and they put their faith in the blood of the Lamb. That would be slain. So, uh, what he's saying when Abraham is praying, ten righteous, he's talking about ten people with practical righteous, righteousness. Ten godly people. That's what he was. Is there ten godly people? There might have been ten saved people. But there certainly wasn't ten godly people. Doesn't seem like it was ten saved people, does it? 
but there was not ten righteous people. Ten people with practical righteousness. I believe this verse right here, by the blessing of the upright. Listen, God blesses those who do right. And guess what? The whole city gets the blessing. Amen. This, listen, these God-haters, these, these globalist God-haters who want to push us toward the tribulation form of government, which is the entire world under an antichrist, who, who despise loyalty to a country. They call it Christian nationalism now. That's to degrade Christianity. In other words, if you put your hand over your heart and stand with the national anthem, that's Christian nationalism. That's bigotry. Hogwash. That's, that's humility and thanksgiving for blood shed to keep us free. That's what that is. But they just smear. It's all they can do is smear. But anyway, this crowd that wants, wants Antichrist and to follow him and to be all in for it, they hate you and I. They hate that 19-year-old because he said marriage is from God. They hate him for it, despise him for it. And he's the reason they're free to persecute him. It's God's blessing on that 19-year-old young man with some practical righteousness. That's why God's blessed him. The worst thing that city could do is shun that young man. The best thing they could have done for that city is pat him on the back and give him a raise. Joseph proved it true in Egypt. Daniel proved it true in three different world empires. Ecclesiastes 9, 14 and 15. A poor wise man proved it true in an unnamed town. I don't know about you. Listen, I'd like, I, I, I'd like for, and this is my prayer, I'd like for America to stay free from my children and my grandchildren. Wouldn't you, don't you want that? That means there's got to be some righteous folks. This, this, that's, that's why, by God's grace, God helping me, you pray that God will help me do this, but by God's grace, I don't, I, listen, I'm not going to play church. I don't want to play religion. If we are called out people, we'll live consecrated to Jesus Christ. Amen. Unashamedly separated from the world. God's not just looking for safe, but looking for righteous people and righteous remnants will spare a city, a nation. Um, verse number 12. Verse number 12. He that is void of wisdom despiseth his neighbor. But a man of understanding holdeth his peace. He that is void of wisdom. Are you getting along with your neighbor? You get along with your neighbor? You get along with your neighbor? You like your neighbor? You have good relations with your neighbor? How are you and your neighbor doing? Say, we're doing fine since we built that fence, Pastor. The Bible says, He that's void of wisdom, wisdom despises his neighbor. We're going to hate the guy that's next to you. He's the one that's going to call police when someone's breaking in while you're not there. That's not real smart. He that's void of wisdom despises his neighbor, but a man of understanding holdeth his peace. Here it is. Learn to hold your peace. Learn to hold your peace. Learn to bite your tongue. Don't say everything you think, don't say everything you want to say. Learn to hold your peace. Remember Elisha following Elijah? Elijah's on his way to get carried up in the fiery chariot. And all of his buddies said, There you go, brown nosing again. Don't you know 
Don't you, don't you know God's got a plan for him? What are you doing? Don't you know God's going to take him away today? Evidently, Elijah told everybody, he said, God's going God's to take me. I'm going to die today. I don't know if he knew God was going to catch him away, but he said, this is my last day. You won't ever see me again. And, 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 and off, he's, off he goes. And, and the young men at one place, the preacher boys, said, there's Elisha. You know Elisha. He's just he like walking on Elijah's heels everywhere he goes. I want to leave the man alone. And uh, they said, Elisha, Elisha, don't you know, don't you know God's going to take him today? He said, yeah, I know it. Hold you to your peace. Yeah, I know it. What about it? He goes on next next group over there. Here's some more preacher boys. Elisha, Elisha, you brown noser. There you are again. All the time. Don't you know God's going to take him today? Yeah, I know it. Hold your peace. Keep your mouth shut. <laughs> I know what I'm doing. Hold you your peace. Hold you your peace. Um, that's what Jesus did. Remember that? He cursed and swore and said, Who art thou? What did the Bible say? He opened not his mouth. He opened not his mouth. That's what David did in the matter of Shimei over there in Samuel's writings. Abishai, I think it's Abishai. Abishai said, He said, David, let me go. He said, I'll take his head off. And he would have done it. He would have done it. He said, I'll, go. I'll take his head off. And here's what David said. Let him alone. Let him curse. Let him alone. Let him curse. In the matter of Saul, David's trust had been right next to him. He said, God delivered him in your head. I'll kill him for you, David. David said, destroy him not. Your uncontrolled temper will eventually be your destruction. Listen, hey, hothead, listen to me, hothead, your hothead will eventually be your destruction. Sir, with a hothead, you lack wisdom, sir. Man with the temper, you lack wisdom. Wise people know how to hold their peace. Look at verse 13, verse 13. We're going to wind it up here. A tale bearer revealeth secrets, but he that is of a faithful spirit concealeth the matter. A tale bearer, I got to tell it, I got to tell it. Well, it didn't come from me, but no, you didn't initiate it. You just bore the tail. You just carried the tail from one person to another. And that's the person, not the one who initiates the gossip, but the one who repeats the gossip. The tail bearer revealeth secrets, but he that is of a faithful spirit concealeth the matter. Here it is. Learn to keep confidence. Learn to keep confidence. Can you keep confidential matters confidential? Can you do that? Can you keep sensitive matters confidential? Listen, if we as God's people will ever practice what the Bible teaches us, we will take matters of correction to those in authority and nowhere else. Nowhere else. I believe this. I don't know how popular it is. don't really care. But I believe, we've already covered this several times in Proverbs. He that loveth covereth the matter. You remember that? God's not talking about hiding sin. We know God says, be sure your sin will find you out, which is why you don't need to gossip. Because <laughs> God will blow the top off of it. That's why. But people who help people are people who could keep sensitive matters only in the circle of those who need to know. Now, if a sin affects a large group, then a large group needs to know. If a sin affects a small group, then a small group needs to know. But sins don't know, need to be average. I, I, I'll be quite frank with you. I think it's dangerous. 
I think you make yourself a target when you put yourself up as someone who is supposed to expose other people's sins. Because let me tell you something, that's rooted in pride. And the Bible said that fellow is setting himself up for a fall. What we ought to do is somebody falls, we ought to weep over him. Amen? And encourage him and pray for him. And if it's somebody that uh, has sinned and God put it in, and dropped it in your lap, then you do the right thing with it. More than one time over these years. Uh, and, and, you know, and God will do it. He'll do it. Years, years and years ago, uh, I was counseling with a man and his wife that's having trouble, and I was in marital counsel with him. And Miss Shook and I went to, out to eat one day. We went to a restaurant, went out to eat. We'd like to sit in the back, you know, so we can play footsie. Anyway, we're back there, and this man walks in. And he, and he, and he can tell he's nervous. He walks in this restaurant, and he's next to like looking everywhere because he's got another woman with him, not his wife. And, and I said, honey, don't look now. But, and she looked. <laughs> and here comes this man. And he's literally, he's, you can tell he's a nervous wreck. We're in the back corner, literally. We're in the back corner of the restaurant. And he is looking all over this restaurant. And, I, and inside I'm thinking, look straight ahead. Look straight ahead. Look straight ahead. He looked everywhere except straight ahead. He literally went through the whole restaurant to the back corner of the restaurant looking everywhere, nervous as he could be because somebody he knew might see him. And he sat down, and when he pulled the chair out for his girlfriend, he looked over, and pastor sitting right next to him. I'm like, thank you, sir, for ruining our meal. <laughs> now, now, more than, not, not a lot of times, but a few times through the years, when God puts something in your lap like that and it has to be dealt with, uh, I, I've had to say this. Now listen, you do the right thing. You do the right thing and you go and you you tell. No, 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 don't tell. No. <laughs> this has to be dealt with. And you go and make it right. You go tell. No, no. Okay, tell you what. I give you 24 hours. You tell. If you don't tell, I tell. Now, I'm not suggesting that sin should not be held accountable. But God knew what he was saying when he said, Love covereth all transgressions. And a person, if you're going to help people, you've got to be... You, you can't help people if you're a gossip. Right. You, you cannot help people if you're a gossip because after a while people will know you're a gossip. And you say, well, if you've got to be somebody who can keep confidence and take that which needs to be taken only where it needs to be taken. Proverbs 25, 2, it's the glory of God to conceal a thing. Proverbs 10, 12, hatred stirreth up strife, but love covereth all sins. Proverbs 17, 19, he that covereth transgression seeketh love, but he that repeateth the matter separateth very friends. You say, well, I only told people who promised not to tell. <laughs> That's not keeping confidence. Let me, let me add this and we'll close. A healthy conversation, listen to this statement. A healthy conversation is not a fishing expedition. You understand that, church? A healthy conversation is not a fishing expedition. If you're interested in a conversation so you can gather information, let me tell you something, you need to learn to keep your peace. And the truth is this, why would I want to know all that stuff? I can't do anything about and get all tied in knots. I can't fix it. <laughs> Why do I want to know about it? 
Amen, Pastor. This is good. If you feel like, well, no one, no one wants to confide in me, I have a suggestion for you. Go home and look in the mirror. See how we stand.